Marriage on a Tightrope is a podcast that explores how couples can strengthen their relationship when one spouse experiences a shift in religious beliefs. Some people long for a life that is simple and planned, tied with a ribbon. Some people won't sell the sea because they're safer on land to follow what's written, but I'd follow you to the great unknown Hello and welcome to Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Katie. And we're still married. Today we'd like to introduce a new series of episodes that we're going to call Teaching Our Children. We've had a number of of interactions with our kids throughout this kind of faith transition that that I've been going through, that, that Katie's going through, of course, as well. Some of those topics that have come up have been, have resulted in some really interesting and I think very healthy conversations with our kids. Some of those topics uh, that we're going to tease now that will come up in later episodes are choosing for yourself, the purpose of going to church, and chastity do's and don'ts, saving the juiciest one for last, apparently. (laughs) I'm sure there will be other topics that will come up as well. But these are just a few things off the top of our head that we've already talked about with our kids. That's what we plan to do is we plan to do a a series of these types of podcasts that focus specifically on talking to your children. And our kids, just as a reminder, uh, we have one that is almost 12, a 10-year-old, an almost six-year-old, and a four and a half-year-old. So we've got a a good range span. And obviously, we will not talk to the six-year-old as we talk to the 12-year-old. But there are some general guidelines and maybe some ideas that we can give you that would be helpful for you to talk to your own kids about. Absolutely. So Katie, the age of our oldest, 11 years old, almost 12, is very relevant to our decision to talk about the first installment of teaching our kids. Can you tell everybody what we're going to be talking about today? Which they should know because they've read the episode title. (laughs) Today we wanted to talk about specifically being alone with adults. When we think about our kids turning 12, that's the age when they begin to meet on an individual basis with the bishop. And the bishop gets to ask them, questions. And so we'll just go right into that. You know, one concept I'd like to bring up is uh, a, someone that I have talked to about this faith transition. He gave me an analogy that, that I've now, I don't know why English is so hard for me today. <laughs> I'm not, I deserve that part not to be edited out. So I'm leaving it in. Um, oh gosh. <laughs> but he gave me an analogy that really rings true. And it's rose-tinted glasses. The idea is that my entire life I've been wearing these rose-tinted glasses. And everything, when you look through them, looks rose or red. It's not until... Ooh, rosy. Mm -hmm. It's not until I've now kind of taken off those rose-tinted glasses and looked around that I've evaluated everything in my life, including the church, and been able to see things for see things for what they are or or see them through a different lens now with full color, full HD 4K color. Looking around and saying, "You know what? Why is this that way or why is why do we do it that way?" Those start, types of questions that started to come into my mind and one of them was one-on-one interviews with 
uh, church leadership. So specifically youth interviews with the bishop. It was a few months back. I, I made a comment. I was in the kitchen. We didn't really talk about it at all, but I made a comment to Katie about one-on-one -on -one interviews being, in my youth, a little uncomfortable and how I'm now looking back at it and thinking, man, that probably wasn't a great situation for myself to be in. So, I mean, do you want, not without getting into any specifics, like, what do you mean? Some of the questions that, that are asked in one-on-one -on -one interviews are uncomfortable, to say the least. When I was a youth, the, the line of questioning that I received in, in a couple of the interviews was extremely inappropriate. And now I look back and I think, oh my gosh, that shouldn't have happened. And with my son turning 12 soon, and he's going to be having these interviews, and they can even happen earlier than, than 12, but now he's going to have twice and twice annual interviews with the bishop, I thought, man, I don't want him to experience this the way that I did. Not to minimize the importance of these ecclesiastical interviews, trying to, to think how can I protect my son from what I went through, and how can I help him have a good experience and a healthy relationship with with church leaders. This idea and thought was was validated for those that have heard of Sam Young's um, petition to protect LDS children. That came out late October last year. And when that came out, I went, oh, cool. I'm not the only one that has thought this, which was really neat. So it wasn't until about a month ago that I, I went to Katie and said, uh, she's smiling now because this was a good conversation. I went to Katie and I said, we need to talk about interviews with with the bishop because they're coming up soon for our kids. Yeah, and let me let me be clear. By a good conversation, he means a difficult conversation because this was, <laughs> I mean, come on. It's the end of the night. We both get into bed. We're chatting and I'm tired and he's tired and he brings this kind of big subject up right before bed. And that's, I, I'm sorry, it's just, it's hard when you're tired to mm -hmm. focus on anything. Alan begins to tell me about these interviews that he had as a youth and the line of questioning that was said or questioned to him or given to him. And I was really surprised because I don't know if it's like this for everyone. However, as a as a girl in the church, I never was asked those types of questions, like never. And I just give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And so I always choose to see or or I hope that they said things or they asked him things uh, that were applicable and they felt inspired to do so. After he told me what they had said, I felt like, oh, that's was totally inappropriate. You're right. But then Alan says, I am worried about the interviews, the one-on-one -on -one interviews that will happen with our own children. And I don't think it's appropriate. I was like, wait, what are you talking about? I mean, I love our leaders. I fully trust them. But what is it that you are talking about? I don't understand. You don't want them to be alone? Yeah, the the conversation that we had was really two two pronged. Was first, I don't want them to be alone with leaders, with any adult. But this conversation focused on the bishop, so I don't want them to be alone with the bishop. And to be frank, I know we don't bring in our personal leaders into the conversation, but this is a very positive comment. I fully trust our bishop too. He's great. He's awesome. He's been nothing but positive. It's and we're really really blessed for that. That being said, it's still not appropriate for my kids to be alone 
with with a leader while while they are underage just to protect them. So this that's the first prong. And the second prong is some of the sexual shaming that can happen in those types of interviews. And that's what I experienced. So I made the point during this chat late at night when we're both exhausted of, I don't think it's appropriate for him to ask any questions about our children's sexuality. So how did that end? How did that <laughs> that statement end? I'm sure that was received well, right, Katie? Yeah, right. I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, as a youth, I went to my bishop when I needed help or when I didn't want to talk to my parents because my parents are good people. But I mean, come on, when you are a teenager, you don't go to your parents. I didn't go to my parents for information. And so someone I trusted was the bishop. I went to the bishop. Nothing grievous or, or anything like that. But I am worried about our children not having someone, an adult to go to and say, hey, I'm struggling. Can you can you talk to me or can I talk to you about this? I'm My worry was that we were taking away the agency of them to go and speak to someone that they trusted and they knew to talk to them about their problems because who else do they turn to? They turn to their friends and their friends don't know anything. I mean, I, the last thing I want is my teenage son's teenage friends to be counseling him on what to do. I'd much rather go have them go to someone that they trust. And so that was like a big sticking point for me is that now they aren't allowed to talk to anybody and now what will they do? And that, that, that was really hard for me. Yeah. And my response to that in the moment and still remains to this day is, and it actually, I don't have this question answered because we were both raised in the church. And so I thought, is it every single teenager is not going to go to their parents? Or is that just how we're taught, especially with sexuality, that you don't go to your parents for that? I thought to myself, well, why won't they come to us if we make that a normal conversation for them? And they know that we are a safe person that they can come to to talk about and ask questions about this type of thing. Why won't they come to us? So that that's still a question in my head. I mean, we're still pretty young. And when we get to the chastity episode, you'll hear some of those conversations. But again, that's an unanswered question in my head. And I, I think for you too, Katie. We've talked to a close friend who has teenagers and older kids that are married now. And he said, it doesn't have to be one way or the other. He said, I always told my kids that I would never get upset if they came and told me if they had questions, if they had done something wrong, I would never get upset with them. And so I have a very open relationship with my kids because they feel like I'm a safe person. Mm -hmm. And I've, we've, purposefully created that in our own family. So I think that that's an interesting idea. I didn't really grow up thinking that. Mm -hmm. Also, I didn't really have any issues. I was a pretty, uh, what would you say? Chased? <laughs> Bubble wrapped girl? No, I was just pretty like stalwart yeah. yeah i i'm just the type of person to like i want to know the boundaries i want to know the rules and i'm gonna follow them that's just my personality and, and it doesn't just yeah. have to be in this and i tried i was just too dang attractive <laughs> Stop. i i couldn't fend them off fast enough oh 
My gosh. This is another conversation for another day. Let's keep you out of this. So we go to bed that night, and were we snuggling, or did we give each other the back? Oh, my gosh. I was not happy. And so, of course, you know, sometimes you snuggle at night, and then you turn your separate ways. Yeah, I just went straight to the wall, turned my back, and needed to sleep on it because I wasn't happy. Would you suggest talking about stuff like this right before bed? <laughs> Probably not, but the the hard part is, is when else are we going to talk about it? Because Well, lately we've been going on early morning walks. And that's that, true. That's a good place to talk about it. That's a good place Let's to talk about Let's start the day it. with a fight what? rather than end, end the day with a fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, something before we get to the what happened the next day, because the breakthrough is what happened the next day after right. the talk. But something that is so important that has helped us is to recognize and f- like verbally call it out that we have the same goal here. The argument is not, I want to protect the kids, but my spouse doesn't. We both want to protect our kids. That The end goal and those end values are the same. But we have to work out how we get there and how we end up at those goals because we have differing, we have differing points of view on that. So that's that's important and something that's really been uh, important for us and helpful for us. One last thing before, Katie, you, I want you to talk, talk about the next day and, and the conversation that we had at dinner. But the last thing is, Katie and I have agreed that we're not going to pull the kids aside and kind of teach them doctrine according to Alan or doctrine according to Katie. Hey, son, um, you know, mom's not going to tell you this, but uh, doing this is just fine. Don't worry about it. Or... The church teaches this, but it's wrong. Like that's we've decided that those conversations will not happen. Right. We will get on the same page before we go to the kids. Yeah. So that's something really important is that despite how either of us feel, and even if it takes time, we will come to an agreement before we present it to our children. Because one, we want to provide a united front. And two, we just don't need extra drama between us. To be honest, we've always worked it out up until this point. We yeah. haven't had any issues. We may turn our backs and not <laughs> not snuggle at night, but uh, we usually end up always coming to a conclusion together. And so this conclusion happened the next day. We were sitting at the dinner table and we were talking with the kids and we actually asked the kids about you know, their day at school, like usual. And Jackson said something about hit the principal. We've had a few run-ins with the principal. (laughs) I don't know how else to put it. He's a nice guy. However, we've challenged him on a few things that we don't feel... We don't understand. We don't understand. Why he does a few things the way he does. Yeah, we asked our son, because he's been in the principal's office a couple times, just... It was last year. I will say last year was a was a hard year for us. He but... stabbed a kid. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Oh, my go, gosh. Go ahead. Anyway, so we said to our son, what happens if you go to the principal's office and he wants to talk to you? He takes you in the office and he shuts the door. Has that ever happened? Now, at this moment, Katie brings that up and I go, oh, shoot, we're talking about this now. We're talking about not being alone with adults. Okay, yeah, I, think, I was very surprised and I was delighted actually. But. I think I was testing the waters just to see. I think that, that Alan was right and that we needed to talk to the kids about it. And so I asked our son if he had ever been in the principal's office alone. And he said, actually, yes, I have. With and the door shut. With the door shut. 
And then Alan says... I said, so we just want to... We need to teach you guys something. It's not appropriate for you to be alone with any adult that is not your mom and dad or your grandparents. We'll talk about some of the subtle, you know, not exceptions, but they had some questions about that. But we, we focused on this principal example. I mean, the principal is the ultimate authority in half of our kids' lives. Like when they're not here, the principal and the teacher are the parents at, at school. That's and cool. so it's hard to speak out or think of them as as someone that they need to be careful with. When we told him that, we said, it's not appropriate for you to be alone with the principal behind a closed door. He kind of looked at us like, well, what am I supposed to do about it? Right. Like, what am I supposed to say if the door closes? And so I told him, I said, look, if you get called into the principal's office or you're in your teacher's room and they go to close the door, you need to say, can you please leave the door open? Just as simple as that. Can you please leave the door open? And he asked, but what if they but say what if no? They and said no and we they need some turn. privacy. Mm -hmm. I need to close the door. Then I say, I told him, you stand up and you say, I don't feel comfortable being alone with you with the door closed. Okay, our 10-year-old is a very thoughtful kid. So the wheels are turning in his head and he gets this kind of horrified look on his face. And he said, but mom, what if they said that, what if they still shut the door? What if they said it's not a big deal? And I said, Hayden, that's when you stand up and you run out of the room. Any adult would hear a kid saying, I don't feel comfortable with you shutting the door. Any adult would say, oh, okay, of course, I'll leave the door open. I can't, Im I can't imagine a single instance in where... A, a teacher would say, no, the door has to be closed. And our oldest, our oldest looked at us and said, I, I can't, I can't do that to the principal. We had to make the point of the principal's not in charge of you. We are, and you're in charge of yourself. You will not get in trouble for doing exactly what we just said. If you get up and you walk out, it, we don't care. Go attached to the Wi-Fi, call us on, on your iPod and we'll come and get you. You're not going to get in trouble for that. Right. And we will talk to the principal about it. If we go to him and we say, excuse me, our son told you he's not comfortable with this. Why did you still do it? And here's the thing. We still, we trust the principal. We don't think that this is going to happen. And we made sure that they and understood the teachers, that. And the right. teachers. We made sure that our kids understood that. We're just preparing you for the worst case situation. We do not think that it will ever come to this. Because if you do say, I don't feel comfortable being alone, can you please leave the door open? We're confident that the teacher and the principal will say, oh, absolutely, no problem. I, I mean, there's, unless they had ulterior motives, I mean, which is why we're teaching them this, right. they they would go ahead and open the door. It's just, but that's hard. So we actually had them repeat out loud yeah. and, and say, I don't feel comfortable with the door closed. Can you please open it? And we had them say it out loud and practice it over and over again because I think that there's power in words. Mm -hmm. And when they know the words that they should say in that moment, it's easier for them to to say it and and tell a teacher or principal how yeah. they feel. So we gave them other examples. We said we feel the same way about... Uh, baseball coaches, because they play baseball. We primary teachers. Tr primary teachers, uh, bishops, and anybody in the church or out of the church. There's, there is no situation where you should be alone with an adult that is not your parent or grandparent. 
And, and we gave, I gave them an example because the question is, well, what if, I, I'm not sure if you brought this up or one of our sons asked, but he said, what if we're hanging out with aunts and uncles and Aunt Jay says, hey, would you like to come with me to the store real quick? Like, do you say yes to that? Do you say no to that? Did we come up with an answer to that? I don't even remember. We talked about aunts and uncles. When you're in a public place, you're running to the store. I don't, none of my siblings, none of your siblings have ever asked to take a, one of our kids one-on-one. Right. Never. Right. It's, hey, you and your cousin, you both come with me. We're going to run here or run there. Right. And the only other uh, exception that we thought really was when they're with a grandparent, when my mother-in-law comes into town and wants to take him for a special lunch mm-hmm. or whatever that may be, that's totally acceptable. We can't even, we, one thing we talked about is, you know, say cousins are over. Alan would never single out one of his nieces or nephews and say, hey, come in this Come in this bedroom or come in this room yeah. with me and let, and I'm going to shut the door. It, lots of times what happens is you're out, everyone's playing and running around and I'm left in the kitchen and I'm baking something because I always am. A nephew comes in and we just start chatting in the kitchen. Well, that's a common area where mm-hmm. people can freely come in and out. I mean, they really wanted to know what those boundaries were, you know, exactly like going into a room, going in a car, that sort of thing. We've never had that situation. And everyone's individual. Everyone is different. And everyone has their own set of rules um, or situations where they might be alone with a, a family member. But yeah, and I even told them and gave them one example. I said, I've there's been times where I've, I'll be up in your your brother and sister's room with your brother and sister who are five and four years old and one of their nieces who's four years old. And all of a sudden my kids run out of the room and I'm alone in a bedroom with my 40 year old niece. And as an adult, I just said, this is how a normal adult should respond. I recognize I'm in a situation that, I mean, I, I know myself, I don't have any ill will or bad intentions, but I just, I just don't want to be in that, that situation. So I, I just say, okay, niece, let's, let's go downstairs. And I, we just get away. We just get rid of, get, get out of the situation that you're in. So even, I even taught them from an adult's perspective, a normal functioning adult, this is what is going through their head. So if they are alone with you and they think it's normal, you should point out to them that it's not, I'm not comfortable. And we had them repeat that. And like I said, you can tailor make it to however your family functions or, you know, maybe you have a nanny or a babysitter and you have one kid. I mean, there there are different situations that will pose its own set of, I guess, problems if you see this as a problem. Everything can be risked for a date night. Everything can be risked <laughs> for a date night. That's true. The interesting thing is uh, this obviously involves church leaders. So I have had conversations with church leaders and I've expressed our desire as parents to not have our kids be alone for worthiness interviews or any type of interview with anyone at church, primary teacher, bishop, stake president, anyone that they could be alone with. We would like for one of either me or Katie or both to be present. Or if our kid feels they're more comfortable with someone that's not us and they want to have someone else in the room with them, they can invite that person as well. That's up to them, right? I just want to just make a call out right now that all of the church leaders that I've talked to have been 100% 
accepting without hesitation of just, of course, you're the parent. Absolutely. No problem. And we've talked about it. We've even talked about the sexual shame type of questions that can occur. And we have come up with a solution to those questions as well. To be very transparent, they have allowed me to handle the questions of chastity with my sons, who are the, I mean, years ahead of our daughter. So we'll see what happens when the daughter comes up. But they are. Then it'll be my turn. <laughs> yeah. But the church leaders have agreed that when we get to the law of chastity question, they're going to turn to me and I get to ask and explain the law of chastity, which I've already done outside of the church. So it's more of a reminder. Hey, remember that chastity thing we talked about? Yes. Yeah. Do you have any questions? No. All right. Bishop, back to you. And they, everyone's been very positive and, re and receptive of that. Okay. So I'm going to play the other side for a minute. Okay. What about those who are not receptive to that? What, do you, what, do, you, what do you do? You know, my initial reaction is these are your children. If what you feel is right is not being honored by someone at church, you, you have to make a decision of what to do. Because I have heard of people that have brought this up to their church leaders and their church leaders say, well, then your child can't advance. Your son can't receive the Aaronic priesthood if I can't interview him alone. That would be a big problem for me. So I'm glad that I don't have to go through that. Uh, we've talked to somebody, you and I had dinner with someone that said, if that stance was made, I'd be done. I'd be out. I would be, I would not go to church anymore. The, uh, the, the church can't hold that position over my, my family. We are not in that situation, which I'm very grateful for. One last thing I wanted to bring up, which we didn't put in the outline for a reason. I, I wrote down Katie's secret surprise because she hasn't told me what she's bringing up it's, here. It's not a secret, but... Okay, so one thing that I have had just really in my in my mind and in my heart while this has all been going on is just the general the umbrella of protecting the children and what what falls in under there. Our kids love to play video games. We have a son who plays online. He is in chat rooms with people. This has been probably one of my biggest beef always mm -hmm. is you are trying to protect our kids against people that we love and trust. However, what are you doing to protect our kids when they're in these chat rooms playing Roblox or playing they're on their phones? There is no protection there. I've mm -hmm. asked you to put in safe, you know, security guards and, you know, um, take, take them off so that they won't be able to chat with people in those games. Why haven't you done that yet? Because those people can do just as much damage in another totally different way. And we are looking at the people that we love and trust, but we're not looking at these total strangers, strangers that we don't know. And so that was a big sticking point for me is, okay, you're going to, if you're going to do this and you're going to talk to the right people and leaders about these lines of questions, what are you going to do about the online presence that our kids have? Because that is so worrisome for me. That's a great question. And that's a gotcha moment, isn't it? Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I think I can chalk this up to lack of communication because to my knowledge, the only game that is played that has chat room functionality is Roblox. And we have two children that play Roblox. We have our oldest and our five-year-old daughter actually <laughs> really likes Roblox. I sat down with our oldest and I had him show me where you can turn off the chat functionality. 
And he did. Mm-hmm. So the chat functionality is gone. It's not there. Now, that was over a month ago. If he has turned it on and it's it's still happening, that's another follow that's a follow-up conversation I need to have. Okay, well, but what about Minecraft? Cuz he talks to people in Minecraft. No, he doesn't. If he's talking to someone in Minecraft, it is it is a friend that he is playing with at that time. It's someone that he is on Discord or a, or a FaceTime chat that he's connected directly with. Okay. Like our his friend down the street that he plays Minecraft with. I mean, I will be the first to admit that I know nothing about video games. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I no, don't. This is a and good Alan and Alan knows quite a bit about it because he himself likes to play online and chat with people. And we're recording this podcast on a relatively <laughs> new gaming PC that I built. Oh gosh, I don't know much about it, and so all I know is what I read online and what friends say. And so, also, our ten-year-old just recently had a birthday and for his birthday we gave him an ipod and so i had alan go through both of their ipods to put privacy settings Mm -hmm. on both of them i was very grateful to alan for validating my feelings and recognizing yeah this isn't just people close this is people online we still have to be careful about anything that comes into our home yeah and uh trying to change the way we well the way our kids game it's an ever evolving topic because the new game comes out and we have to make sure that we understand it and know it. I play a game with our son uh, together online and it does not have chat functionality and it's a great game. Fortnite, if anyone wants to play it, add me. Dogs dying hot cars on on Fortnite. I'd love to play with you. Now, great surprise uh, chat and topic. It is absolutely important. And one last thing that I have told our kids, especially the two oldest ones are, if you ask them today, what is what do we say about trust? They will respond, we have it until we break it. So I've told them, we trust you. We trust you until you show us we can't. And that doesn't mean that we don't look at the games they're playing. We don't look at their iPods. Right. But we're we're them, still very vigilant. We're and... vigilant, but they need to understand that we do trust them. When they come to us with questions... They need to feel like they can trust us with our response, which we've already talked about. So it trust goes both ways. Yes, it does. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Go on Instagram. We are on Instagram and you can find us at marriage on a tightrope. We love getting email from you. So you can email us at marriage on a tightrope at gmail.com. And relevant to this podcast, if you have not heard of or have not yet signed the petition and you are interested, it's protectldschildren.org. And I've signed it, uh, and I will be attending the the uh, march that they have on March 30th. So I think that's cool. I'm looking forward to meeting Sam. day after your birthday. I know, it's a little birthday present for myself. Maybe we should make you a hat or something. Go be an activist <laughs> for my birthday. Shake my hand. It's my birthday. <laughs> or whatever. Last but not least, we still would love to meet up with you if you're in the Salt Lake City area. We will actually be in Georgia and Florida this summer in the month of June. So if you live in Georgia or in Florida and maybe you want to meet up, you can meet us at the lake and we can take you boating, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm I'm volunteering. We'll let you be alone take... with our kids. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whoa, that was a bad joke. Anyway, if you are in the Georgia, Florida area, we will be there for a full month. So feel free to email us and we can meet up for dinner. So thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next episode. Bye.
Walking a tight road.